0: This is a news roundy podcast, and you're listening to NL Playoffs. Hello, and welcome to NL Playoffs. This is round seven. My name is Gautam. I have with me my co host Aniket. Aniket, say hi.
1: Hello, hello, hello. Hello, everyone.
0: We are recording this a week later than we thought, so we apologize for that. Owing to our schedules, we were not able to uh, record anything last week, but we are back. Hopefully, we will be uh, on time for the next few episodes as well. We also hope that uh, listeners and subscribers who listened to our last episode about Lewis Hamilton, we did an in-depth, we kind of nerded out a little bit, didn't we, Aniket, about Hamilton and the Formula One. So I hope they enjoyed it as well.
1: Yeah, me too. I'm curious to hear back. But the bounce in my voice with the hello, hello, hello was my excitement for being back here. So I'm super excited and stoked to be recording again after a long time.
0: By the way, I forgot to mention this in the last episode. Last month, I went to uh, watch uh, some professional sport. The first time after the pandemic, I went to watch uh, the Chicago White Sox, which is a professional baseball team here. It was quite fun. Uh, it was b- good to be back among large crowds in a sporting area. We were all we were all vaccinated. We were masked up for the most part. We were outside, so we didn't follow a complete mask protocol because we were outside. But it was nonetheless it was uh, it was real fun. Uh, we were also caught on TV for about a uh, five seconds, so I will cherish that.
1: <laughs> oh, that's awesome! I mean, uh, a lot of people have told me baseball games are fun. I am highly skeptical of the game in general. But I want to experience it in the stadium, nevertheless. I've heard people told me the stadium atmosphere is much better than watching it on TV. Is that true, Gotham?
0: That is true. Uh, but at the same time, it can get very monotonous. It can get, you know, there is there are a lot of breaks. And it's centered around a lot of food and obviously a lot of sponsors. So it was a ton of fun. I have uh, I did not have any dog in the fight. So I was just taking it all. And this is just probably, what, my third or fourth uh, professional baseball game that I went to? First in the Chicago White Sox Stadium, I was at the uh, the Cub, Chicago Cubs Stadium. They call it the Wrigley Field. The, that's uh, more of an old uh, historic stadium versus the Chicago White Sox, which is a, a modern stadium. It has really good food. Uh, it was fun going out to the ball game and enjoying some very expensive junk food. But it was really fun. Thanks to my friends. They had really great seats.
1: I'm jealous of you. I look forward to getting back to watching live sport there is no form of fine entertainment than live sport even if it's baseball (laughs) yeah
0: that that is for sure but my my indulgence aside i think we should jump straight into the podcast we do have a lot of uh, sport going on what we should do i think is go through the headlines a little bit but doing on the show as is the norm we'll just cover a lot of headlines but we'll cover two sports or two topics that are you know kind of
1: hot right now and we'll cover those we'll try to cover those in depth Sure, so I think uh, I'd like to preface this by saying we'll talk about obviously what's happened, the IPL uh, and also some basketball towards the end. But before that, let me talk about something that excites us, both of us. I, I would, I'm talking for both of us here, but Premier League and league football in general is back. So that is so refreshing because my Saturday Sundays are now starting with sport. Though our complaint probably
0: is that the earliest game For me, at least, starts at what six thirty or six in the morning, which kind of sucks. But you know, you live with it. You get used to it. Now that we are, you and I both work, so you can't. I can't at least sleep beyond eight. So I try to catch most of the games I can. But tell us what's happening in the Premier League.
1: That's right. So uh, one of the hot news after a one-year I think deal that was going on is that Newcastle's have. Officially, being taken over by the Saudi Arabia Public Investment Fund, aka the Saudi government. Uh, no, I'm just uh, saying, say being uh, sarcastic there, but yeah, that's happened. Uh, they're yeah, very
0: likely that it is the Saudi government.
1: Well, the Premier League denies it. Uh, so, and they're likely to be the richest. Of course, they do. Yeah, they're likely to be the richest uh, football club in the world. Just uh, following. That being said, there were some amazing football games gotham and i'm sure you got at least one of them cuz your team manchester united was <laughs> playing yeah manchester united played uh, leicester city and
0: they kind of lost convincingly in the end it ended 4-2 started off uh, united started off well but you know at the end they looked very lax defensively and in the midfield i think the problem with united right now is that they need to find a good balance. They need to find that chemistry going for them. So, well, in the in the match against Leicester, they played uh, Ronaldo, Sancho, Greenwood, Fernandes, and Pogba. Five of their most attacking players started, which meant that they were kind of left vulnerable at the back because they did not have. That midfielder who can, except for Matic, who is just one guy, because Pogba is always on the offensive. His favorite position is the left midfield, but he was playing central midfield because they had to accommodate for all of these uh, guys up front. None of them can defend. Fernandez does get back and tries to uh, defend. He's a really, I, I like, he tracks back. Pogba has this ability to lose the ball at all times when he's in possession, when he's playing in central midfield. He's not a great. He Somehow, I always scream when he's like, keeps the ball, keeps the ball. He does not try to make the obvious pass, but eventually ends up losing the ball. They definitely lack that chemistry between them, and then, you know, it's up to Oli. Pressure is mounting on him. I feel like there have been strategically placed leaks that Zidane and Conte are uh, in the running if Oli gets sacked, but we'll see what happens.
1: Well, uh, two questions for you. One, do you feel you lack a workhorse in the midfield? You know, someone who might not be the most skilled uh, player but who's dogged in his approach and running box to box for you guys. Is that what that's missing?
0: As much as I hate to say it, Aniketh, they really missed Fred over the weekend. (laughs) It's just brutal without having a box-to-box guy. You know, Martich does a job, but then Martich is older and is slow. You need a box-to-box midfielder who can go front and also come back and recover at at a very quick pace. With the resources that they have, I think Scott, Scott McTominay is the best bet, but then he has his injury troubles. Fred has been kind of been playing a lot of those games alongside Pogba. They were missing Fred because he's. He, they had the South American uh, FIFA qualifiers, so they he could not get back in time. But yeah, they do really need the likes of McTominay or Fred, at least two of them, with Pogba on the left, so that there is that cushion at the back, which means that they sacrifice an attacking option, but that's the way it's supposed to go. Remember, of all those Alex Ferguson sides, they had Scholes who could do that, they had Fletcher, they had Carrick, they had John O'Shea and all those guys so you need like a Park Ji Sung you need those guys
1: yeah and uh, I agree with that and the other question was do you think Ole is going to get the boot my opinion I don't think so I think you guys have to stick it out with him spend some time yes the team is not getting results they lost to Leicester City which I must add had some spectacular goals in the game like I think out of the uh, I think 6 goals I think three, four, four were like really good top quality goals
0: Yeah, but that's what you kind of expect with the talent that they have. They are going to score some amazing goals, but those are only going to take you so far because if you look at the wonderful goals that they score, they are all goals that have... A very low probability of scoring so you need an attack that goes well along with each other you need to talk with each other in a way that's not verbal but it's through football so as far as Oli goes you know I think they'll stick with him for the rest of the year at least uh, now remember Manchester I'm just looking at their schedule they have Liverpool coming up they have Tottenham Hotspur coming up they have City coming up so it's, it's quite a stretch of Premier League games along with the Champions League that is sandwiched in the middle so We'll see how it goes. Uh, I'm personally, I'm always, uh, I always lean on the side of giving any manager the long rope, because a manager with two years or three years is, I don't think, is enough to build a system and build a team. If you look at Alex Ferguson, he won next to nothing in the first four or five years. Then, then see what happens. So, I'm strong believer in giving the manager a long rope. He will, he will make mistakes. He will learn, but. We'll see what happens, but we have Manchester United and the big club and the social media pressure and lack of trophies and everything, so I think he'll stay for this season at least, though.
1: Yeah, I think so, too, and uh, somehow, uh, I believe it'll only get better because you also have Christian Ronaldo in your lineup now. He's a winner, and it's going to rub off on the players slowly. I think it's too early for him, maybe. Uh, he's a legend. I mean, I'm sure people yeah. are still listening, but over time, I think that attitude is going to rub off, and no there are, i'm i'm positive about yeah.
0: how united's going to play see yeah i also i also think that there's a little bit of politicking going around in the background because the the leak that i just uh, told you about the at least this unconfirmed report says that uh, ronaldo asked for zidane or Conte. we went to the management asked for him you know all of this there's no smoke without a fire so it depends on how the rest of the season goes if by december or january things are lot not looking good who knows what will happen
1: that's interesting you say that so uh that was not the only good game I thought. I also watched the Chelsea Brentford game. So which was very interesting. Chelsea won that one 0 Uh I wouldn't I was gonna use the word convincingly. but yeah, I, exactly. And they made it and boy, what pressure did Brentford put onto the Chelsea back. It was it was a really good game and when I talk about these two teams, one was Leicester City and Brentford I want to give a shout-out to Premier League as to the teams they have produced. And I think we should do a separate deep dive into Leicester City itself, the club it was, and what it has become now. Like, consistently yeah, coming top yeah. five. I think that definitely deserves a podcast of its own.
0: For sure. Definitely. Uh, Brentford, uh, they were unbeaten so far until they uh, uh, came across Chelsea. And, you know, they put up a good fight. We spoke about how matches night just did not seem themselves. Brentford is a city that... Uh, every player knows every other player. They knew what they were doing. They had a system in place and everybody was just in sync. They were touch unlucky that they were not able to score. But Mendy, I think, uh, did a fantastic job uh, in between the goals.
1: And uh, to be honest, in that game, it seemed like Brentford first half, they put on pressure, but, you know, it died off. But I think there was a very good hand of the manager to come in and make some tactical switches. And whatever he said in the halftime seemed very apt because it really uh, set the team in the right direction. So that's another thing I found very promising about Thomas Frank's team.
0: You do rate uh, Thomas
1: Frank highly, don't you? I mean, it's too early. I've, I've just started following him since last year. But I like the way he talks. I like what he stands for. I like what he says. He's making the right noises. Let's put it that way. And it shows on the pitch that the type of game his team is playing. It's uh, I'm always, always rooting because I don't have a dog in the Premier League apart from being a Guardiola fan. So I'm always rooting for the underdog. And uh, Brentford is going to be an underdog for some time now. So I'm going to be rooting for them.
0: <laughs> hey, quickly moving back just a little bit to the uh, the new ownership at Newcastle. lot of uh, mixed reactions everywhere in the football world where they're talking about how on one hand Mike Ashley was a really bad owner. Nobody liked him. So it looks like most of the Newcastle United fans were welcoming the Saudi Arabia, the PIF takeover. But on the other side, there's this whole thing of the Saudi Arabian government and its series of human rights violations. So what do
1: you make of all of this? So it's very interesting because uh, one thing, uh, this is a sovereign wealth fund, right? So it's the wealth fund that's uh, run by the... Kingdom of Saudi Arabia and uh, MBS, Mohammed bin Salman, in in other words. But uh, what's very interesting was this public investment fund was actually looking inwards, investing in oil a lot. Now they've started to diversify. It's also a sign for things going green and stuff. They've also invested in Uber and other companies. So it's very interesting that they're putting their money in football. Because this is an investment fund, so they're ex- I'm sure they're expecting returns of, of the investments they make in this. So which gives hope in terms of, or points to the direction, uh, pardon my lack of words, but uh, points in the direction that football is actually, you know, heading towards being a profitable business to a lot of these big uh, investment funds.
0: There is no doubt that there's money in football. It's it's played across I don't know in in 150 180 countries. So there is no doubt that there's following and obviously doesn't get more more bigger than the Premier League as when it comes to eyeballs and sponsorship deals and whatnot. Now the Premier League, given how it's structured and they have owners and they get to vote on it and whatnot, there is this corporatization. You always you see these Russian oligarchs. So you have Roman Abramovich. You have these giant. Corporate conglomerates. We have the Glazers for Man United, right? Now we have the Saudi Arabian guys coming in. We have Etihad. You know, ever since they took over, we see we saw what happened to Manchester City. Now these are not exactly the most how do I put it most holier of all the governments, let's say. But then people tend to overlook those things because. Their club is in dire straits, the, the club is not performing, or their pe- club is always underperforming, relegation and whatnot. There is this uh, clash that is always going to be there. Like we we'll, we are looking at uh, Qatar next year, right? In F- F- the FIFA World Cup is happening there. So I think this is here to stay unless the league itself takes a stand and says, no, we don't want this money. But for some reason, I don't see uh, that happening because at the end of the day, money rules.
1: What you said is very interesting because Premier League, yes, I think today there was a New York Times article where they held an emergency meeting and they have uh, restricted the infusement of funds uh, for at least the one month. It's a temporary right. uh, embargo they've put on. Uh, it points to the direction of fear of money being put into the Premier League by this one particular takeover, but they're also thinking of making it more per- uh, permanent. And I think there was 18 words for the embargo on investments. Uh, One was against, which was Newcastle and Man City, who is still uh, undergoing a case, three year old case, I think with Qatar, because what typically happens, just to give a very brief background, is that uh, you are uh, companies investing a country, for example, but all the country run uh, companies are sponsoring this club. So there is this conflict of interest that's in place and Man City is actually fighting that. So Man City decided to abstain from (laughs) voting after consulting the lawyers. And uh, it's interesting because Premier League is coming out and saying that this is not owned by Saudi Arabia. And there are apparently some clauses which don't allow Saudi Arabia, the country's uh, controlled companies to sponsor this event. But Premier League is refusing to come out and publicly state that for some reason as well.
0: They can't come out and publicly state that because they themselves are not sure, right? So it's, it's, it's a very gray area because in a way, there is always this government's hands in these companies. But. Nobody can prove it now. You can't go to Saudi Arabia and check check whatever it is. So Premier League is always going to be mum about it because they don't don't want to lose the money, right? So as I said, it's it's end of the day. It's going to be money
1: for sure. And the chairman for the Newcastle team is also, the, I believe, the chairman or the vice president or on the board of the Saudi Aramco. So it's run by the ruling dispensation. So there is that. Yeah, which is uh, interesting to see. And you said money, correct, because money made clubs go mad and pop up this stupid idea of Super League and stuff. So clubs are desperate, especially this financial situation. A lot of clubs have worsened. So I think it's interesting. We should track this issue and see how it plays out.
0: Yeah, we'll see how this goes. On the La Liga front, I did not catch any La Liga this weekend, Aniket, but you watched Barcelona beat Valencia 3-1. on Sufati. I think we discussed this briefly last time, too. he's kind of inherited the number 10 jersey, which to me is... Very interesting because I think Barcelona just should just retire that jersey. There's no other way. They should. you know, they, why, why would you give a young teenager the burden of wearing the number 10 jersey? Give him another number.
1: A, I agree. I personally would like that number retired just because I'm such a big Lionel Messi fan. But that being said, Ansu Fati seems to be the most promising thing that's coming out of uh, the academy Here we go. right now. I am... Super stoked to see him. I don't want to jinx it. He's just a teenager yet. He's come back from a pretty big injury. And the last game, he basically scored a goal and created a goal for us. So he's the most exciting thing that's happening. Again, I don't mean to take away the limelight from Pedri, who's also a crazy player, but... Anzu Fatih is, if not anything, exciting and I'd like to see where it goes. It's too early to call because you've seen Federico, Kiko Maqueda, you've seen all these youngsters pop up score killer goals and then, uh, you know, just blur into the background. So let's see where this goes. It seems promising. We'll find out uh, where it stops.
0: Yeah, we'll see. At least give him the number 9 or the number 11, not the number 10, man. But anyway, that's just me. Uh, but I think we should move on from football. We've discussed enough football. We did not intend to cover this much football, but here we go. Champions League is going on, so we will I'm sure we'll discuss this more in depth once the uh, knockout phase starts. By the way, we should also let our listeners know that we have... A deep dive that we did on the miracle of Istanbul, I think a few months ago now. We are just waiting for an opportune time to release that episode. I hope we did a deep dive on what went down on that uh, summer night in Istanbul. So keep an eye out on that. Aniket, I think we should move on to Formula One. And there was a surprise winner at the Turkish Grand Prix.
1: Yeah, surprise because he's been expected to win more often and finally Valtteri Bottas has won the Turkish Grand Prix. So the first win of this season for him. From pole position,
0: Valtteri Bottas can now make it to the final corner to see the chequered flag
1: and Bottas crosses the line to win the Turkish Grand Prix. Uh, It was a very interesting race. I absolutely loved it just because there was so much happening. There was everything played in the weather yeah we, let's talk about it so tell me what you thought of the race so i watched the race i thought it was
0: mostly a boring race i don't it seemed a little dull to me just because it was the weather was a little gloomy and stuff
1: but uh did did botas qualify p1 he did qualify p1 he had a pretty solid race so he kept it through and uh, saw the race through
0: yeah and obviously there was this Whole decision making that was in place. Uh, you know, last time we discussed this when you we were discussing Formula One and how Mercedes got it right in the previous Grand Prix with Hamilton, you know, with letting him uh, pit and come onto the wet tires and whatnot. This time it went the other way around and did not work for him.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, just to give the listeners context about what we're talking about, so there was not rain per se, but it was a, like Gautam said, it was a gloomy day with, uh, I think, a drizzle. So on the track and all the teams basically started on the intermediate tires, uh, which are uh, a leeway between the slicks and wet tires. So all the teams started on these intermediate tires and so did Lewis Hamilton. And the question was, uh, these tires typically run for about uh, 35 laps or so. And then uh, this was obviously a 58 lap race, I believe. So there was change expected. You are expected to change tires. But because it's wet weather, you can also go without changing. So the rule says that if it's no rain, you have to make one pit stop for sure. But if it rains, you can actually not have a pit stop. So what happens is Lewis Hamilton is, I think, P3. And this is around about the 47th, 48th lap where his team actually calls him in. And he refuses to go because he thinks he can pull off without going doing a pit which Esteban Ocon actually did so he thinks he can not pit and finish the race and he hopes to finish p3 but then in the 50th lap his uh, teammates actually uh, call, call him in and he goes and he loses position so that's the context of what happened in that race so he falls from three to five he was
0: initially reluctant. I think he had that two or three laps where he was just resisting their call to go in. Box, 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 box. Why? Uh, new insight is the way to go. I don't think it is, man. But then eventually he had to go in at 50. But I think they missed. He missed that window. Had he gone earlier when they said, maybe he would have gained a couple of those places. But he eventually ended up finishing fifth. And obviously once he pitted and once he came back i think it was too late for him to uh, reclaim any other spots because he j- rejoined at uh, p5 and finished p5 he was really upset with it uh he was calling uh, the team out currently p5 you should have come in man you're a massive braining man i told you okay copy loose. Uh, we were losing time to paris but we'll chat about it later But Which meant that Max Verstappen, who pitted earlier than who lose Hamilton, was able to rejoin and finish P2, which means that now he has the championship lead back.
1: Yeah, he leads by six points to be precise. So it's it's very interesting because, like you said, uh, that if Hamilton had pitted earlier, and there's actually a fantastic analysis by Julian Palmer. So it's on YouTube and also the F1 TV official channel where he talks about what would happen. It's a hypothetical, it's an estimation based on mathematics and science, but uh, that Hamilton would have actually finished P3 had he gone in for the first time they called. But otherwise, it just seemed like uh, Hamilton had to go in and eventually, if he wouldn't have pitted anyways, which he was planning to do, he would have come back. He was typically ended up at fifth position and with the danger of also losing his tire because the tire can puncture because you've run it for so many laps uh, ahead of... yeah what is actually estimated for its use case so yeah that being said uh, i think mercedes played it safe they didn't want to you know go zero uh, lose all the points because they have a horse uh, they have a horse in this race and that's hamilton uh, they are also in the constructors championship so if they lost uh, 25 points or how many ever yeah, i think 14 points odd it would still be a big loss compared to red bull so i think they made the right call as a team to call him in later
0: yeah, we'll, again, it's, this sets up for another wonderful ending to this season. We are, what, a ha- halfway through, so I'm really ex- excited. It's going to be the Circuit of the Americas next, so I'm re- really looking forward to see what happens uh, uh, come uh, this weekend, next Sunday.
1: Circuit of the Americas, I couldn't uh, help but say that I'm excited that F1 is going to be in my city uh, finally next weekend. And unfortunately, we I couldn't get the tickets to go there. Let's see if uh, some miracle happens, but... Yeah, I'm super stoked that they're going to be in Austin, Texas next week. Oh, with that, we should move on to uh,
0: cricket, Aniket. I know the, the Indian women were on a tour to Australia. So how these bilateral women series work, for the benefit of our listeners, is that it, it is like a point system where the winner of the series is decided based on a number of points. If you win a test match, you get a certain number of points. If you win a one-day, if you win a T20, you get a certain number of points. Eventually, Australia ended up beating the Indians by 11 to 5, which is definitely closer than what the final score looked like. Uh, now, Australia are just on a rampage. They were they were on a 26-win uh, ODI streak, which uh, India were, India were able to put a halt to. You know, it was closely contested. Uh, uh, I saw a little bit of the highlights too. Jool Goswami was pretty good again. Smriti Mandhana, she scored, I think she scored a really good century again. Uh, she's such a treat to watch when I watch the highlights of her batting, you know. It's just so good. But that is that is that is what is happening in the Indian women's sport. Moving on to the men's though, looks like after Ravi Shasri announced his uh, stepping down or after his term ends after the T20 World Cup, looks like rahul dravid is rahul dravid is now in the contention or he's the front runner to become india's next coach have you followed that story at all aniket
1: actually not at all so i was going to i was going to ask you a clarifying question so ravi shastri is going to coach the team for the coming world cup right that is correct okay well that's nice okay but i am excited so i'm a rahul dravid fan second two year stint i think so
0: ravi Shastri's second two year stint ends after the T20 World Cup, so he's stepping down, so is Virat Kohli from the T20 captaincy. What happened with Rahul Dravid was, he's always, right from the get-go, so when he was initially considered for the coaching job, even before, I think it was two years ago or four years ago, he turned it down because he said, I want to be close to my family, I have uh, growing kids, and I want to be closer to them. So, he, he took up the under-19 uh, coaching job, as well as the uh, position. I think he's the director of the NCA, the National Cricket Academy in Bangalore. So he, so that, that way he could stay close. He would not travel as much. Now what happened was, now that Ravi Shastri was stepping down, BCCI asked Rahul Dravid to, again to see if he wants to become the coach. Clearly, uh, now there was a report in the Times of India, and Sharda Ugra reported this as well in her column in the Hindustan Times. Apparently, uh, you know, where Rahul Dravid was kind of there forcing his hand, saying, uh, look, you either be the coach of the of the Indian men's team or don't be part of the BCCI at all. So, according to a source that leaked, the source of clue who was in the BCCI or close to the BCCI official said, it is not feasible to have uh, Rahul Dravid's salary at the NCA. He either needs to coach. in In other words, he is getting paid too highly to be a director of the NCA. So, he either has to quit that or be the uh, uh, altogether or just be the coach of India. So uh, apparently Jay Shah, the venerable Jay Shah and the venerable Saura Ganguly, the president of the BCCI, uh, were in meetings with Rahul Dravid to try to convince him. So I think he's asked for a few days uh, to think over it. But if he ends up becoming the coach, uh, it will be a very reluctant Rahul Dravid taking up uh, the Indian men's coaching job
1: i've heard many absurd stories uh, i mean uh, this is i don't know if it, so first i i i thanks for telling me this super interesting but it's it breaks my heart that you're ha- actually having to force someone uh, especially someone who served your country so well in whatever he's done uh, and i don't know man is this politics or what but it breaks my heart to see that uh, we are doing this with our uh, with our athletes
0: yeah, almost. I almost wonder, Aniket, if uh, uh, Rahul Dravid is just feeling the way he did in this cred ad. Hey,
1: come man, come, you come man. Oh, for sure. Uh, to those who haven't seen that ad, should actually watch it. And even the Couple Dave's latest ad. Wow. Come on, boys. Oh, betting thakeliya, chote. Come on, sir. Yeah. Sir, are you the game? You tell me. Thanks, Gotham. By the way, for sharing it, because I was in my own cave and I received that ad through you. Apparently, it's gone viral, but uh, I had not seen it before, and I thought it was a really good ad. And couple they did a brilliant job. It was, it was a good time to watch.
0: Yeah, just just like uh, the Formula One season, we'll see how this story develops over the next few weeks. Uh, so we'll we'll keep a close eye out on it. I think we should move on to the topic that we really wanted to... One of the two topics that we really wanted to discuss, which was the IPL. Uh, the Chennai Super Kings have won it all again uh, after a season uh, last year that was the uh, that was a one to forget. I think they finished 7th. Uh, they come back and win it all again. So, Aniket, what did you make of it? Did, I know you... Uh, you and I both haven't watched the second leg of this IPL a lot. owing to our schedule, it's just on a rough time. And they don't even have it on Hotstar anymore. It's on ESPN these days. So it's hard to... It's a whole thing in America to watch
1: an IPL game these days. So what do you make of it? So like you said, I saw the highlights of the game. Uh, I must tell you, it was good to see Dhoni back behind the stumps. Uh, <laughs> that, 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 was, that was my first feeling. So I, He does see like a more aged Dhoni. So that was another thing I could clearly uh, see and tell that, uh, you know, uh, I was a fan of uh, Mahendra Singh Dhoni always and it was good to see him. But then when I saw him and I saw him drop that catch in, w- early on in the game, uh, yeah, yeah. The, it, it surprised me. It, it also made me feel that, OK, he you could see that he's rusty. That's, that was my... <laughs> I'm like, OK, he's retired, he's rusty. But I didn't make much of the game actually. It just seemed, uh, you know, for some reason, Gautam, I hate saying this, but uh, IPL was the reason I lost interest in cricket. Like uh, with all the match fixing saga that happened, even this uh, finals, they just seemed uh, like a team set a score and the other team couldn't catch. I didn't see a lot of excitement because it was never really that close in my head at least. I thought it was a pretty uh, well uh rounded match i yeah i wish i could add something more onto this but uh yeah that was that's my two cents on this
0: no no you're right i think this time for me at least because it because it was in two legs the first one had to be sh- uh, cut short because of uh, the rise in covid cases and the second half it was always going to be a stop gap uh and also it was not the second leg was not uh, uh, happening in India either, so it was in the UAE even there was crowds and whatnot. But it is not the same excitement that is there for sure. But I think coming to uh, just the uh, the cricketing side of it, I, I saw a tweet from Harsha uh, Bhogli who said a good captain in a T20 side is all is almost worth one and a half players. Uh, which I think is very true, which which is where Dhoni comes in. Having Dhoni as your captain or having a good captain on your side is just a huge, huge bonus. We saw that with uh, the Kolkata Knight Riders too, where Oyn Morgan was really struggling to get runs. He was just in awful, awful form. But KKR persisted with him because he's such a good captain, right? He, uh, he probably himself thought of dropping him, dropping himself, but I think his captaincy was too great a quality to ignore. Similarly, Dhoni. Now, if you look at the CSK roster, it's there's so many people uh, who should not be technically playing T20 just because of their age. You see, you have du Plessis, you have Robin Uthappa, you have uh, Dhoni himself, you have Dwayne Bravo, uh, Pujara is on the side. Uh, I'm sure I'm forgetting Raidu is there. Uh, so all of these are not older people. So you really don't. They're not really. That is not really a template you followed for a, a winning T20 side. But Dhoni, you know, how he works, how he works with Stephen Fleming, the coaches, he leaves it to the front office to pick a side. Then once he comes back, he figures out what to do. He clearly, Fleming and Dhoni both establish roles with their players and says, hey, this is what you're going to do. This is what you're in the side for. As long as you do this, you're good. You'll be given a long rope. Don't worry if you fail. And that clearly rubs off and the results are clearly there for us to see.
1: Yeah, I just wanted to add something to what you said about uh, captains being important and more than anything, Mahendra Singh Dhoni, because he's such a fantastic captain. I think he's a brilliant player, but, and I I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say he, I think he's one of the finest minds, cricketing minds. He has the presence of mind to go talk to his bowler in, you know, the death overs, and he understands the nuances of the game like I think nobody else has, uh, nobody else does. So, yeah, and he does it in
0: such a simple way too he He keeps everything short he he keeps all his conversations short to the point direct, even Gary Kirsten talks about how, in the twenty eleven world Cup or in all the team meetings he he used to always ask after he speaks, he used to ask Dhoni if he had a word, he would always say, no, i'm good every Everything else goes on the field, and he talks to the players on the field, and it's very direct, so kind of that's such a great quality to have as a leader. it just instills a confidence. Uh, in your teammates as well.
1: I just wanted to add a point regarding giving the long ropes. I I was skimming on the internet and I found uh, even Mohin Ali had a comment about uh, you know how the team actually uh, uh, backed him up uh, really well and uh, he never felt the pressure. So that I think that is a characteristic of a Dhoni's team where he actually does give his players a lot of belief and his uh, trust. So. You know, a lot of people, and I've, you, we all have seen as cricketing fans, these players whom he believes in have actually stood up at important times, and you know, contributed and played important innings. So that's another, uh, that's a very great trait a leader can have. You know, where you, uh, you don't pull yourself up, but you're pulling your team up. Very few people can instill uh, that kind of a belief in their players, and I think uh, Tony is one of them.
0: I'm sure that will help uh, the Indian uh, squad at the World T20 as well because Dhoni is now acting as the mentor, I think, to the Indian team. So uh, that will be that will be, I'm sure, a great value add to the whole uh, Indian contingent there. Uh, the moving on to as we said, uh, the ICC World T20 has kicked off. Uh, it's they're
1: calling it the qualifiers, I believe. I'm super stoked because uh, if not anything, the Indian team seems to be warmed up. You know, with this IPL happened. Yeah, and as
0: I said, the ICC World T20, the pre-tournament, I want to say, kicked off because this is not the tournament that's going on. It is the qualifying round to get to the main tournament. Bangladesh, Sri Lanka are also part of this pre us along with Papua New Guinea there's Scotland there is Namibia Bangladesh actually got upset by Scotland Scotland who by the way are wearing one of the most delightful uniforms that I've seen in a cricket field in a long time they had wonderful you should, you, if listeners haven't checked those uh, uniforms out you should check the the scotland jerseys the uniforms are something to behold they're awesome so yeah we we'll, i think this weekend we have india pakistan playing so that is the big game coming up so we'll keep a close eye on that a couple of subscribers have actually written to us and said they want to be a part of this podcast we couldn't get one the one subscriber that we were thinking of on this episode but we'll definitely have at least a subscriber next time as a guest and we'll love to chat with you there is the link for this podcast uh, to write letters on so it is newslaundry.com slash podcast dash letters com slash podcast dash letters it will be linked to this uh, to the show notes
1: so please go to that link if you want to write to us and select our podcast yeah we look forward to your participation like we always say uh, we are not experts and we definitely like uh, all of you who are experts in various different fields and different sports to come and share your uh, knowledge with us because me and Gautam are interested to learn So, Aniket, the
0: NBA season is kicking off. As we speak, I'm actually watching in the background. I have a game on. The Lakers are playing the Golden State Warriors. Uh, I'm really excited because basketball is my game to follow in the States. Have you been following any of the stories at all?
1: I've been following the stories after our previous discussion. So, it really got me uh, talking about Ben Simmons. And I just went into a rabbit hole trying to learn about Ben Simmons a little bit more and what's actually happening. So, yeah, I kind of wanted to talk or have a big-picture conversation about a couple of stories that's,
0: that have been making the rounds. Uh, the season has officially kicked off today. Brooklyn Nets, I think, uh, start off as the favorites along with the Bucks, the Milwaukee Bucks, who won last year as well as the LA Lakers led by LeBron James. But the two big stories that have been happening in the NBA is that of Ben Simmons and the Philadelphia 76ers and Kyrie Irving and... The Brooklyn Nets, but I want to talk about both of these. I, I, you probably have to indulge me a little bit. I want to talk about these two topics under a common thread of player empowerment. Now, NBA for the last decade or so is has been driven by the players. It's not driven by the owners, or it's not driven by the front offices. It's not driven by the commission or anything like that. Uh, over the last decade or so, it actually started with LeBron James making the decision, as it's called, right when he. He was initially drafted to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Then he took it upon himself to, uh, once he became a free agent, to go to Miami. He made a whole spectacle out of it. He had a TV show and whatnot. He made a lot of money. Good for him. So ever since then, uh, the league has been seen as this player empowerment league where the players are taking matters into their own hands and deciding their destiny. So, for example, you have the same LeBron James. uh, Once he was done with the Miami Heat, he he moved to cleveland cavaliers and just signed kept signed kept signing these one year contracts or two year contracts which meant that the team was always always on guard for him because they only knew for sure that he was going to stay that one year so he could take the he could make the calls he could call the shots and have the players of his liking uh, you see a number of other players like james harden who's uh, with the brooklyn nets right now he kind of forced himself out of Houston Rockets. He was with before. He had, I think, one or two years left on his contract. He said, "Look, I'm going to be gone after my uh, after my contract ends, no matter what. So you be- you better trade me now, so that you can get some value out of it. Otherwise, I'm going to leave anyway. So pi- choose what you have to do." Uh, and you know, back back in the day, they used to all these players used to have ten-year contracts, which meant that they were just bound by those contracts. But now the maximum you see is four-year contracts and they can get an extension and whatnot. So the players have been calling the shots of late, which which gets us to what uh, Ben Simmons is doing right now. So Ben Simmons, uh, who plays for the Philadelphia 76ers, uh, recently signed, well, in 2019, signed a five-year contract extension worth $169.65 million. Now, in NBA, all the contracts are guaranteed, which means that you're guaranteed to get that money if you play now he finished his first year of his contract extension now that meant he had four years at the end of last year when they crashed out of the playoffs losing to the atlanta hawks so i'm i know i'm getting getting a little into the weeds but please <laughs> bear with me Aniket. the 76ers crashed out most of the blame was put on ben simmons and rightly so because he was he's a point guard who means that which means that he has the ball most of the time but he cannot shoot to save his life he's he is a good passer he he's a good uh, dribbler i guess he gets the ball up and down the court very quickly he's a great defender but he cannot shoot the ball he always tries to he always tries to stay as close to the basket as possible to dunk or to make a layup which meant that the other teams would would be able to figure him out very easily because they knew he could not shoot so they would just sag off of him and you know forcing him to shoot which he could not so the, most of the blame was rightly put on Ben Simmons. He kind of passed up on a dunk to the last, it was like a flashpoint where everybody put the blame on him. So now, this year, come this year, right? Uh, he said, before the year started, he said, I know I have four years left on my contract, but uh, through his agent, he said, I'm out, I want out. He has, so this is unprecedented. Having four years left on his contract and asking for a trade has never happened, and, trading, and the trade has never happened ever before, right? Uh, The Philadelphia 76ers front office, uh, led by the stubborn manager called Daryl Morey, said, nope, we are not budging. Unless we get a really, really good blue chip player for Ben Simmons, we are not going to trade you. If you you report, you report. Otherwise, you'll be fined. If you don't report to practice, if you don't report to uh, warm-up games, you'll be fined. Uh, And what's more, uh, how the contract system or how the paycheck work is. I think the players get a check every few months or something. So he was due for uh, getting paid in end of August, I believe, uh, worth eight point two millions. They with they withheld that payment, right? Uh, and then kept fining him for not reporting to practice. So, what? So tell me, what do you make of all of this? Do you think? Do you think the player empowerment era has kind
1: of overcorrected itself? To lean more over to the player side. So just to add to this, uh, uh, to what you said. So previous week he reported for a media uh, day and uh, training, but he was uh, spotted with uh, his sweatpants on and a mobile phone, taking it light and uh, not basically turning it up in the practice. And his the coach Doc Rivers also was in the arena. Surprisingly, he didn't say anything. I think he let the show go on. He it was. In my mind, at least, it was put to show to the world that, hey, I'm here. I'm just showing up because I have to. And I'm not going to take this seriously. And the coach, I think, smartly, I would say, let the world see what the player is actually doing. And now he's been suspended, I believe, for, uh, I think, uh, I don't know what suspension, is one game? Or he's been suspended by the team itself.
0: Yeah, he has been suspended for one game. Because uh, he he came to practice, but he failed to participate in a drill or two. After persistently asking him to do so, he would not. So the the coach asked him, Doc asked him to just leave and he was suspended for a game. Which meant he, I think overall he lost so far in fines about $1.4 million. Okay,
1: so uh, yeah, I have strong opinions on this, right? I would prefer not using the word player empowerment in this particular case at least because when you say pay, player empowerment what typically comes to me is you know uh, the nba player standing for the black lives matter movement you know they're doing this social charity work going out of the way basically finding ways to run the league the posture this uh, borderlines in my opinion at least to uh, unprofessional being an unprofessional uh, person in general because uh, Again, we're going back in time. Uh, is that wasn't 76ers the team that actually <laughs> dropped points, lost games, so that they could actually have the first pick and pick Ben Simmons? Uh, was was yes. that true? Right? They called it. They called it the process. Trust the process is their uh, motto. And here you are trusting the process. So, uh, well, uh, to be honest, uh, there have been red flags about Ben Simmons, and I don't know how he was. Uh, I mean, the All Stars team like. Yeah, he's really good. Uh, you know, he he has improved his uh, defense a lot. He is, uh, you know, driving in harder, faster. And he's surprisingly big for a point guard, which uh, in local uh, in local Indian time when he used to play basketball, we used to call him the ball handler. So for folks who are wondering who the point guard is, the point guard is the ball handler, who handles the ball before uh, playing it to somebody else. But with all that being said, someone who's on the basketball court and who couldn't shoot for saving his life just surprises me right it's just amazing and uh, i uh, my especially for a is, point guard especially and uh, my opinion on this is i think it is uh, so there is a lot of things involved i think there's also ego and pride here because i believe uh, uh, in the summer he was suppo- there were talks of him being traded for uh, harden uh, who's, like you mentioned, in the Brooklyn Nets. and uh, that? Last uh, season, yes. Yeah, that was last season. So that didn't go through as well. So I think uh, the player is stuck on pride and he's uh, borderlining on uh, what I would call unprofessionalism. I think if you're cashing, if you're expecting your salary, you, you show up, you don't like your boss, you don't like your teammates. It just shows a lack of growth mindset because he has four years. Yes, I think uh, Doc Rivers, the coach, to be very honest, the coach has been having his back all the way till the final playoffs last year. I think Doc Rivers, if you go back in time, look, uh, he's uh, been speaking about uh, Simmons as, you know, a a great player worth having on the team and all the way. And then finally, after I think the Hawks game, he was asked, do you think he's an all-star player? And he said, I don't know, which is the matter of fact. It is the truth. Like, he's been amping this player up, having his back throughout the season, and when the moment came, uh, somebody after losing asked him, uh, do you think uh, he's your next big thing? And this guy says, I don't know, which is an honest opinion. So, but people are construing that to be, uh, uh, to the fact that uh, him and, uh, I forget the other uh, player's name, actually uh, turning against uh, Simmons. Joel Embiid. Yes. Yes. So uh, even he had some uh, comments to make who was pretty positive. He and Simmons actually had a very good uh, one-to-one partnership in the team and they actually drove the uh, majority of the team. So putting all this in context is hard. Uh, I'm trying to summarize my point, which is that uh, this is not player empowerment. I I cringe when you use the word player empowerment because in Sir Alex Ferguson's word, you cannot give the power to the player it is the manager the coach who is the top boss and their boss is the chairman in the front office so uh, the day the players are calling the shots uh, the coach is not needed so yeah
0: right i think yeah but i think i fall somewhere in between there uh, Aniket, i fall somewhere in between your comment and uh, the whole uh, player empowerment thing or taking matters into your own hands right because if you if you are a team you have the ability to trade a player off at, when, at whatever point you choose to without even letting the player know. There have been a lot of instances where the player was not even informed, showed up to the game, and at, on when, just before the game was about to start was said, hey, look, you've just been traded, so please pack your bags and leave. It has happened multiple times. So there is that other side of the coin too. So I think it has to fall somewhere in between. There needs to be a communication between the player and the team management. You can't obviously be so... Oh, the mark that says that you know, if you have four years left of the contract, you're just going to say, "Hey, I'm done. I, I can't do this anymore." Anyway, that is that is the whole thing. So I tend to I tend to agree with you in this case that uh, Ben Simmons has a very weak leg to stand on in this case. But having said that, Aniket, uh, kind of going along with taking matters into your own hands or thinking that you have that you can take decisions for yourself, we have the whole saga of Kyrie Irving and his vaccination. So Kyrie Irving is playing with the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, he has historically been a guy that puts his views across but nobody can understand him. Uh, he's I think he's definitely a flat earther. He, uh, he has made many public comments that uh, that that says that he thinks that the earth is flat. Uh, he's a bit of a conspiracy theorist in my mind. He kind of thinks himself as a bit of an artist and not not just a player but more than that much more than that. Uh, most of his comments that he says don't make sense to me or don't make sense to a lot of people. He is of the opinion that nobody understands him. He, is, he feels like he's in a higher plane than everybody else. That's what comes through. I mean, everybody has a right to express their stuff and whatnot. But coming to what this season, uh, what he's doing is he he's not taking the vaccine, right? Now, he plays for the Brooklyn Nets, which is in New York City, which is in New York City. Uh, Now, according to the uh, state law in New York, you can't, uh, if you're in a large uh, public gathering that is indoors, uh, you can't just be unvaccinated and play, you know. So the state law... Especially if it's your workplace, I believe, right?
1: Especially if it's your workplace. Exactly.
0: If it's your workplace, you can't be unvaccinated and be outdoors or, you know, work in a professional environment if you're in the state of New York. Which meant that Kyrie Irving with his vaccination status could not play any of the home games. So he, initially the reports were that he was planning on not playing the home games at all but only playing the away games. So he would play so 82 game season so he would play 41 games away from home. Even that away from home was not guaranteed because every state has different laws. So if a state had a similar law that uh, to that of New York he would not play in those away games as well. So initially the reports from his camp were that he would probably not play in any home games. Uh, but having said that the brooklyn nets team management were kind of very quick in saying look you're all in or all out you're not we are not going to make an exception for you and say you're going to play only you're not going to play in the home games and play only away games because at the end of the day this is a great book um, that uh, from a guy that i really like called bill simmons he wrote a book called book of basketball where he talks about the secret of basketball or secret to winning a basketball or any game is chemistry if you don't have good chemistry, even though you might have the talent. Talent is obviously a necessary condition to win. But if you don't have the chemistry among your talent, you're not going to win it. So uh, Brooklyn Nets acted very quickly and said, it's all in or all out. Uh, Kyrie Irving was due for an extension next year. And they came out and categorically said, we are not looking to give Kyrie an extension. Having said all of this, again, this again comes from, I think, the whole uh, players taking matters into their own hands and thinking that they can dictate terms, which is fair in some and unfair in some. But I think here in this case, uh, he did not. He did not expect this backlash from the team. Now he's come on Instagram Live uh, last week and said, "Look, I'm obviously going not going to pass up on this money. I want to win championship." So he's now you can see slowly that he's
1: backtracking. What do you make of all of this? So, <laughs> I think this is uh, a ramification of. Uh- Player empowerment going wrong. Both are examples, I think. Today are ramifications of this player empowerment taken to the other uh, direction. You know, uh, not in the uh, direction you would typically want people to use it for. I don't have much to say about uh, this particular case because I believe what the Brooklyn Nets did was the right thing. They said you can't half-ass this. Like you're either in or either out, and it basically forced him to you know calm down and uh, i think now he's going to i'm pretty sure he's going to take the vaccine and play and uh, this is what i expected even of the philadelphia 76ers with that being said i have nothing more to add uh, apart from saying that uh, the team and the coach have to kick in and uh, i think there has to be discipline at some point like uh, tomorrow somebody comes they have a bad game they'll be like i want to be traded off and uh, i don't know where this uh, i don't know where this uh, train goes, you know, it's uh, it's a slippery slope, yeah. you can say that it's the player's freedom, sure, tomorrow I don't like my boss, but uh, doesn't mean I walk out of my job you know, I rough it up, I learn the skills necessary and I show up and I think uh, he has to show up uh, that's my opinion on this
0: Yeah, and and I was listening to uh, one of my favorite NBA shows, is called Inside the NBA you should catch it on YouTube guys uh, where the uh, Shaq is on the panel along with Charles Barkley and all those guys. So Shaq and uh, Barkley were both saying that, uh, you know, at the end of the day, if you to win on a championship team, you will have to be willing to be able to make sacrifices. It's the group over the individual. If you're not sacrificing, that just says that you are a prima donna now in this case carrie irving people are his teammates i'm sure are upset with him not because he's not taking the vaccine or not he chose to not take the vaccine sure that's his right but to win and get let this happen you have to follow the rules of the laws of the land which means that you have to take the vaccine do it for not just not for yourself but do it for your family do it for your teammates once that does not happen it's just going to uh, rub off the wrong way among the teammates as well if you're not doing that it affects the chemistry so i think brooklyn has kind of moved a little quickly which i think is the wise thing to do because uh having a good player uh, that uh, fosters bad chemistry is worse than having an average player that has really good chemistry because you already have the likes of kevin durant and james harden on your team
1: sure and uh I just want to add one thing, Uh, being a student of science, uh, I understand where the skepticism for taking a vaccine uh, stems from, you know, uh, the idea that it's not being tested uh, as rigorously as uh, you expect it to. We don't know, there'd be no long study, so we don't know 20 years later, it could actually affect something. Uh, I buy that. From a scientific perspective, I agree. But at this point, uh, what we have seen in the world, I think uh, the data is overwhelming in saying that there is more to lose by not taking it than actually taking it. So with that being said, uh I would it shocks me it stuns me when people uh, make these arguments about not taking a vaccine. I understand uh, personal liberty, I understand choice. Uh, I am a big uh, believer that it should not be enforced. Vaccines should not be mandated. But when you say that at what cost? Because then This particular thing affects not you, but it affects people around you. That's the unfortunate thing. If it was only Aniket or Gautam who were being affected by this uh, uh, SARS-CoV-19 virus, I would have been like, it's fine. Aniket, Gautam don't need to actually take their vaccines. But when it comes to a point where people around you, around the world is being affected, I think you've got to step up and uh, take it and uh, you know it's the right thing to do. So that is one point. The other one point I wanted to make was... On chemistry, because like a similar story, not uh, related, but was of Scott Pippen when he refused to come back on, uh, you know, with the Chicago Bulls, uh, if you remember. And uh, he was his coach wanted him, his teammates wanted him, and he refused to come on. And then uh, they finally made, they took the winning shot, and the Bulls won that game. And it ruined something for that person that day for the team, you know. And I think Jordan talks about it as well. Uh, I think I can't put in better words than Jordan did, but I think uh, he says Pippin let himself down, you know, because later he comes out with regret of what he did in the heat of the moment. So when you're making these kind of decisions, uh, they're governed by emotion, yes. But you want to keep chemistry like you said in mind chemistry of the team and there is a greater cause when you're playing for Brooklyn Nets or playing Chicago Bulls you don't play for the name behind the jersey but you play for the crest in the front absolutely it's it's team over individual in team sport Uh, so you have to be able to
0: be willing to go the extra mile for the team Uh, it's not about you at the end of the day so yeah I think I think we should leave it there we've kind of had an exhaustive conversation about the whole player empowerment thing we would do we would definitely I think we should do uh, a whole not a deep dive but the impact of uh, LeBron James and the decision on Iket in a future episode I have, I have I know we have some plans to do like a, a flashback episode of one of the game one of the NBA games so we'll definitely touch upon this I'm sure in the future so
1: guys uh Please pay to keep news free. Subscribe to independent media. I think uh, at this point of time, around the world, uh, especially with the Nobel prizes given to peace, Nobel Peace Prize given to two journalists who spoke for uh, freedom of speech, uh, it tells us the situation the world is in. I wouldn't say uh, our country India or a country B in particular, but the world is in and. It is uh, a time where every independent voice stands up and talks for uh, the greater good rather than themselves. So pay to keep news free and subscribe to News Laundry and support independent media. Absolutely. I know
0: uh, Abhinandan was saying that uh, they're having some issues with uh, recurring payments and whatnot. So if you can, uh, uh, guys, please do subscribe uh, long term. So if you can do... A six month or a one year or two year subscription if, if you can afford it that makes it that much easier because often what happens is if it's every month we, we tend to forget or uh, some credit card lapses with its uh, validity date and whatnot so please go to the website please keep supporting independent news uh, do support uh, news laundry and click on that subscribe button Anike do you want to give us some recommendations before we conclude here
1: Yes, Gautam. So you spoke about chemistry and I thought there was a great time time to plug in uh, an article that I want to recommend. It's a study by University of California, Berkeley, and it's called uh, Basketball. It's on basketballcycle.com. We're going to link it. But it's basically about how high fives, chest pumps and physical contact can actually determine uh, which team is going to make it to the playoffs and uh, who's going to be the MVP so it's a very interesting study where they basically study the camaraderie between the teammates and without the season playing out they can actually make predictions just on seeing seeing the data on the number of physical touches contact chemistry how they huddle in practices and stuff like that so uh, that's I thought is a very that's fascinating it is it is absolutely fascinating and it Just like you said, it talks about, uh, you know, chemistry and the psychology of the group. So group dynamics. And it's pretty interesting. I found that uh, very enlightening to say. And the other one is uh, another article I thought was uh, peculiar. I liked it. but It was very peculiar. It was an article by NY Times. It says uh, soccer's problem with silver medals. And uh, it's basically about how uh, the Spanish team that uh, was runners-up in the UEFA Nations League was one of the rare teams to actually keep on their silver medal. But otherwise, you look into the past uh, competitions, everyone just takes it off and puts <laughs> they it aside. take them
0: away immediately.
1: Yeah, and uh, uh, the author's uh, claim is that it's kind of peculiar to uh, the sport of soccer. And he dives into that. But uh, I personally don't agree with that. I think uh, that it has been shown that uh, silver medalists are the saddest people on the podium. Bronze actually have... Uh, There's been a scientific study where bronze people are actually much happier than silver medalists because the silver medalists has lost out on the opportunity of a gold, whereas the bronze has just made it into from nowhere. Yeah. So, uh, But that being said, I thought it was an interesting And also day. the bronze has just won.
0: If you won a bronze medal, you just won something. Yeah. The yes, the match.
1: yes. So, uh, these are my two recommendations for today. How about you? My, uh, I have two recommendations.
0: One is, I uh, briefly referred to this article on the Hindustan Times by Sharda Ugra. Uh, it is titled, Beneficiaries of BCCI's Heavy Financial Hand Are Constantly Being Shortchanged, where she talks about uh, not just the Rahul Dravid thing that we just discovered, but also how BCCI, who always say that we are looking out for the players, we're the richest board, we pay, everybody gets paid and all of that. Well, last season, they somehow, through some maneuvering and technicalities, they changed the format, they change the structure of the, the domestic uh, leagues and are now paying less than what they typically do to the players, which means that the players are in the domestic structure now, playing first-class cricket, are earning less than a couple of years ago. So, uh, she, she, talk, she she touches upon the various uh, uh, financial issue, financial problems that the players are having at the domestic level. So, do check that out. ogre is one of my favorite sports journalists in the country. She's just so good. I hope we hope to have her on our podcast at some point. Um, That's the dream. Uh, the other uh, uh, yeah, the other recommendation is Bad Sport on Netflix. It's just a series of. Uh, Six episodes, which talks about the dark side of sports when it comes to betting, fixing, uh, drugs, uh, crime, and so on. So it it covers the Hansi Cronier, the match-fixing scandal. It covers the Juventus uh, just the seria in general uh, with influencing referees and paying them off or you know threatening them it covers the Winter olympics so there's like six episodes which covers the dark side of uh, uh, the sport so it's it's a, it's a decent watch it's a one hour one hour twenty minutes each. They do a good job of showing exactly what happened and documents and it kind of documents those as well so uh, check that out.
1: Also, I wanted to add, uh, did you see the FOPA by South African Cricket Association on Instagram? So, they congratulated... No, what happened? So, they congratulated NDD for winning with the uh, Chennai Super Kings. And then, uh, Faf yeah. Dupless comments saying... Uh, and it's only NDD. So, Faf du- uh, Dupless comments saying, really... And then Dale Steen, like, really ham- <laughs> hammers on to them, saying that, how you know, how can you not, uh, what do you call, uh, basically congratulate the other two players? So, there was Tahir and uh, uh, Faf Duples as well. Right. But right. then uh, the Cricket Association came out saying, <laughs> this is hilarious, but they came out saying that these guys are free agents, so they are technically not... With the association, they're playing around the world, uh, something along those lines uh, with different uh, tournaments. So we kept out, but they, I think they also apologized. So I just found that interesting and hilarious.
0: Man, speak of a PR disaster. You know, we uh, instead of apologizing... Uh, unequivocally, and said, "Hey, look, we missed this." They said, "This is why we did this," and tried to justify and also say sorry at the same time. How can you not say? How I mean, who? with sane mind thought that Plessis, who was the highest scorer in the IPL final, he was, was the MVP the final. He was the man yeah. of the match. And then. Yeah. Here's the man of the match, yeah. And then Imran Tahir, who's this who's this uh, traveler from South Africa that everybody knows. But it's just dumb. Uh, Sunil Narayan and uh, Faf Du the best uh, players on both of those teams, are not even part of the ICC World T20, which is kind of sad. But that's the way it is. Any other uh, closing comments from
1: you, Aniket, before we say goodbye? Just reach out to us at uh, com slash podcast hyphen letters, guys. Reach out to us, uh, tell us what you like, what you don't like, and help us out by talking about sports you care about. So the whole idea of this platform is to make the larger world aware of sports in general. None of us are experts. We hope to have experts on, like autumn said. And we hope to start with you people. So reach out to us.
0: Yep, and let us know if you want to uh, become a part of the podcast. We will definitely invite you as guests and make some time for you. Until we see you guys or talk to you guys again next time, uh, take care, everybody. Thanks, Aniket. Thank you.
1: All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent